Well, hey everyone. Today we are starting our series called How to Be Yours by looking at John chapter two. This is a very interesting chapter because we see two very different sides of Jesus. One that reminds us that we can draw near to God and one that reminds us that we should still fear God. And there's definitely a tension there. I know I feel it all the time. I mean, one day I feel like Jesus is my best friend and I find myself walking with him and talking with him and saying like, hey Jesus, what's up? You know, like, how's your day going? And the next day I find myself on my knees before him saying, who am I to stand in your presence, Lord? This is a very real tension. It reminds me of a controversial saying that became popular years ago. I don't know if you remember, but it's when the phrase, Jesus is my homeboy, first became a thing. It was huge for a while. There were hats, there were shirts, it was a whole big thing. People were really into it. Um, and it was cool and it had a cool backstory to it actually. But then of course there was a huge backlash of people saying, that's not okay. Jesus is not my homeboy, he is my Lord. And so the t-shirts and the decals and all that came out for that side as well. I mean, the whole thing became such a point of tension and people were really like upset by both sides. I mean, still today, you can pick your side and you can buy your apparel for sure. So listen, in John 2, we're going to read two back-to-back -back stories that illustrate how Jesus can actually be both of these things at the same time. How he is our homeboy and our Lord how he is our friend and our father. These stories will help us see how we can and should draw near to Jesus and still fear him at the same time. And what I hope you will see today is that understanding this reality and holding these things in tension is what actually makes for a good and a healthy relationship with God. Okay, so let's take a look at John 2. John 2 begins with Jesus at a wedding celebration. He was there with his mom and his disciples, and he was probably having a good old time. But at some point during the festivities, the unthinkable happens. The host runs out of wine. Apparently, back in the day, that was a huge no-no. It was a major social faux pas. It would have brought a lot of shame and embarrassment to the family who was throwing the wedding. And so Mary, Jesus's mom, noticed this and she couldn't bear to see this happen. And so she asked Jesus for help. And I love how Jesus pretty much says to her, like, mom, <laughs> this is not the time or the place to reveal the fact that I can do miraculous things. Like, this is not the plan. But then Jesus, seeing how much this meant to his mom, he was moved to help and moved to do what she asked. And so he did his first miracle right then and there. He turned 180 gallons of plain old water instantly into miraculously delicious wine, wine that was so good that it actually brought great honor and praise to this family. And so he totally saved the day. He turned what would have been a really bad situation into a really good one. And he did it simply because he cared. He saw his mom's heart and heard her request and had compassion on this family and he chose to help. This is such an incredible story because we see how approachable Jesus is and how much he cares, even about the little things. I mean, it was a big thing to this family, right? But in the great big scheme of things, this was a little thing. And I don't know about you, but I love knowing that Jesus cares about the little things in my life. I love knowing that he actually hears my heart and he hears my prayers and he actually moves on my behalf. Not because something is necessarily a big deal, but simply because it's a big deal to me. And when Jesus shows up like this in my life, which he has many, many times, I'm always reminded that he is my absolute best friend, 
that he is always there for me. And it makes me wanna give him this great big giant teddy bear hug. Sometimes I even picture myself doing it, right? But then we see a very different side of Jesus in the very next story, still in John chapter two. Jesus goes from turning water into wine, totally saving the day, to turning tables over in the temple, pretty much saying, make my day. John chapter two, let's read it together. It starts in verse 13. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold the doves, he said to them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. So this is a very different scene, right? I mean, clearly Jesus is not the approachable softy we just saw a few days ago at the wedding. No, here he is angry and he is throwing down. He's clearing tables and turning them over and yelling at people and chasing them out with a whip. He was not playing around. And it was because inside his holy temple, there was sin everywhere he looked and he was not having it. He was saying, not in my house, not today. And it's really important that we understand who Jesus was so upset with that day. It wasn't the people who were showing up just trying to worship. It was the people who were taking advantage of those who were showing up just trying to worship. It was the money exchangers and the animal sellers. So he was angry with the money exchangers because Jewish law required that every man should pay a tribute to the sanctuary in the form of a Jewish coin. So money exchangers set up in the temple to exchange foreign coin for Jewish coin, and in so doing, they would completely rip people off in the process to turn a profit. And then there were the animal sellers. Also, according to law, uh, two doves or pigeons or other animals were required in order to make a sacrifice to the Lord in the temple. And since people were often traveling a long way, they couldn't always bring these animals with them, so they would have to buy them at the temple. And once again, these people were just price gouging them like crazy. Jesus was so angry because these people were all making a mockery out of the temple. They were cheating people out of money and there was just sin everywhere he looked and he just put his foot down. And so he cleansed the temple of all the wrongdoing and all of the sin, and he did so with a whip. It is, it is very clear that Jesus was not a teddy bear to be hugged that day. He was a God to be feared. So in reading these two stories, we have to wonder, is Jesus someone whom we should fear or someone to whom we should draw near? And the answer is both. See, as Christians, we are never to be afraid of God, never. But we are supposed to fear God. And it's important that we understand what a healthy fear of God looks like because it helps us know how to be his. Now, let's start here. Let's start in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. This is really important. It is the fear of the Lord. It is the fear of the Lord that is the foundation for wisdom. It's knowledge of the Holy One. That means we need to recognize who he is then we will have wisdom. Then it says wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. I think it can be hard to explain what it means to fear God and why it's so important. But if you can think of it in terms of a parent-child relationship, 
I think it helps a lot, especially because God is our father, right? So for example, me and my kids, my kids and I have a lot of fun together. And one day when we were all laughing and playing, they came up with a nickname for me. And like all nicknames, it was ridiculous at first, but now it's really grown on me. They have started to call me Tommy as a term of endearment rather than mommy. So to me, Tommy is like the equivalent of homeboy. You know, when we're messing around, they call me Tommy. So for example, we'll be in a store and they'll hold up bags of candy and jokingly say, you know, Tommy, let's get this for dinner. And I sarcastically tell them, that's a great idea. And then they just dump the candy into the cart. And we laugh and we're just like goofing around until at some point I'm like, okay guys, like let's put the candy back. And guess what they do? They put the candy back. Now, it's not like it always goes down like this, right? There have been moments when they get so caught up and just joking around and all of us just being friends and all that stuff that they will start to argue with me or they'll hesitate to do what I say. Okay, for example, maybe they don't put the candy back, right? But that's when my fun Tommy face turns into a firm mommy face. And I would say something like, okay, Bryce, Bree, put it back. Yes, ma'am. And then they will like immediately snap out of it and remember who I am, that I am mom, that I am in charge and that they are expected to do what I say. And so they will say, yes, ma'am, and put it back. Now, as crazy as it sounds to say this out loud, this is a good example of how my kids both love me and fear me at the same time. And that's how it should be. We can have fun and mess around and laugh and play, but in the end, their healthy fear of me and their healthy respect of me and of my authority, it makes them do as I say. And so when they choose to obey, we get to go on and have fun. But when they don't, the fun sort of stops there and then there are consequences instead. Guys, this is what a healthy relationship with God looks like. We are supposed to love him and fear him. We are supposed to know that he is our friend, that he cares about us and is there for us and that we can enjoy him and laugh with him and tell him everything. But we also need to know that he is our father and that we are under his authority and that ultimately we are always expected to do whatever it is that he says. And so out of respect and reverence for him and out of a deep trust and understanding that he loves us so much and wants the best for us, we choose to obey. Okay, so quick parent tip. One of my favorite scriptures that I, that I tell my kids all the time is Ephesians 6, 3. It's if you honor or obey, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. I tell my kids this all the time. I say, listen, the Bible says, if you obey your mom and dad, things will go well for you. I say it because it's true. It's true with your earthly parents and it's also true with your heavenly father. When we obey our Heavenly Father, when we do as He says, things will go well for us. Okay, back to our story. This is an important connection that we need to make in all of this today. And that's the fact that it was the lack of fearing God that caused all of the sin in the temple that day. They didn't fear God. They didn't respect His holy temple. And so they continually sinned against Him. And that's why Jesus had to remind them of who He is, that He is God and that He is a holy God, and that this was His holy temple, and therefore it was no place for sin. And so He cleaned house. Now here's the connection that you need to make. Please do not miss this. We have to realize that as believers, we are now the temple of God. There is no longer a physical temple. Scripture says that our bodies have now become His temple. 
We're going to look this up in 2 Corinthians, starting in chapter 6 and 16. We're bouncing around a little bit. But it says, For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And then it continues in chapter 7. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Jesus is teaching us that as Christians, that, that we are his temple and therefore sin does not belong in our lives today, just like it did not belong in the temple back then. And in order for us to not make a mockery out of his temple, just like they did, then we too need to be cleansed from all of our sin as well. And so that means that the sin in your life, the sin that you are trying to convince yourself of right now, that is not a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a big deal because it's a big deal to him. He hates sin and desires to cleanse us from all sin. And the only way that this works is when we continually humble ourselves before him as Lord and God. And we pray Psalm 8611 that says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Guys, this is what having a healthy fear of God looks like. It's knowing who he is, and, and that knowing that makes us want to walk in his ways. Now, one last thing. As much as Jesus hates sin, the truth is he loves you even more. In fact, he loves you so much that he died for you in order to pay the price of your sin. So what does that mean? That means that you will still have earthly consequences for your sin, because that's the power that sin still holds over us here on this earth. However, you will no longer have eternal consequences for your sin because Jesus already took that punishment for you on the cross. And so your sin, it, it no longer separates you from God. It no longer separates from you from God in heaven and separates from you from God right now. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the sin offering for us, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Guys, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Jesus made us right with God. Our sin, it separated us from God, but Christ reconciled us back to God, making a way for us to be near to God even now. And so we need to hold all of these things in tension. We need to know that we can be near to God despite our sin, knowing that through Christ we have been forgiven and we have been made right, knowing that we are his kids forever and that he calls us his friends. And at the same time, we need to always have a healthy fear of God, knowing who he is, knowing that he has authority over our lives. And that means that we choose to walk in his ways and not ours. It means that we choose to do what he says because he is Lord and he is our father. And so draw near or fear, the answer is both. And truly being his, truly having a good and healthy and right relationship with God means learning how to do both. I will end with this one last scripture, this one last Psalm 147 verse 11. 
It says, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Amen.